I am a doctor. I am a data collector. I'm a pharmacist. I am a clinician. I am a counselor. I am a nurse. When the AIDS pandemic hit, we had information, but with COVID-19, we were never ready for the real impact. We are frontline workers regardless of the pandemic. We had to become resilient. That was our biggest motivator. We are health providers. 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 Welcome to the first episode of Pata Podcasts, a series brought to you by Pediatric Adolescent Treatment Africa. I'm your host, Andesue May. In this series, we amplify the voices and experiences of health providers sharing promising practices and innovative solutions with their peers, taken from lessons learned during the coronavirus pandemic. In this episode, we look at how to get primary health facilities ready for COVID-19 and beyond. Whilst many health facilities were not designated COVID-19 intake sites, all facilities needed to be ready to screen and treat or refer COVID-19 cases to ensure the safety of all community members. We hear from three health providers about how they prepared the facilities they work for to ensure that healthcare was not compromised during the coronavirus outbreak. Situated in the volcanic Bamenda Highlands and the capital of northwestern Cameroon is the Nguyen Baptist Health Centre of the Cameroon Baptist Convention Health Services. Epiphany is a senior counsellor and the coordinator for an emergency HIV response, which is geared towards meeting the needs of internally displaced persons in the country. Our facility is not just uh, an HIV treatment centre. It receives clients from the general population. So the goal was, first of all, to see how we can make the environment safe for these clients who are not already exposed to COVID-19, but also to ensure that for those who are on treatment, on HIV, on HIV treatment, they continue to have their medication. So what we did was to really do an assessment of the current needs. The five-floor facility, one of the biggest of its kind in the northwestern region, has over 150-bed capacity and offers a range of health services. To ensure the community had continuous access to health care during the pandemic, health providers took into consideration three key facility areas. So we were looking at wash services, so water hygiene and sanitation. Were they sufficient? What did we need to add? And so we had to put in place um, new hand hygiene wash, washing points. We had to consider improving on um, our sanitation around um, disaggregation of waste. So we had to make makeshift arrangements such that everyone who comes in will not be congested in one place. So in the area of infrastructure, those are the key things we looked at. And so in terms of commodities, we knew we needed to have commodities like PPE, test kits, and the medications for the clients. 
And again, we needed the, a workforce that is trained and ready to receive this client. Because Cameroon did not implement a complete lockdown across the country, the hospital, which is nestled in the bustling city centre near the Nguyen market, needed to find ways to regulate the numbers of people visiting the facility daily to curb the spread of the virus. Clients who are HIV positive are already vulnerable. We started educating our clients to avoid um, coming all to the facility at the same time. So what we did is half of the, the workforce will come in the morning and towards the afternoon, the next set comes. And that way you can still have in between workers who will go to the community and do community dispensation. But one thing that really worked out well for us is the use of the peer supporters. To manage facility flow at Kafue Estates Clinic in Zambia, health providers had to arrive earlier than usual during the COVID-19 pandemic to prepare the facility before it could open its doors to the public. My name is Athens Matongo, heading RRT department in Zambia, Kafue Estes Clinic. Actually, my reporting time was supposed to be at 8 o'clock, but we changed to 7 o'clock. The clients, when they come, they find that there's a bucket and hand washing soap. There's nothing like when they come, that's when I run up to check on that because I'm delaying those people. They're not supposed to be at the facility for a long time. The facility also implemented safety measures and social cues for people to follow, as recommended by the World Health Organization. We used to sensitize health education before even starting them, social distancing. We wrote on the benches that this person is supposed to sit there a meter apart. We'll put some labels on the benches where somebody's supposed to sit. Masking up is a must. We have to do the masking. Whenever they come, if they don't have the facility, would provide the mask. Hand washing before even to attend them, it is always done whenever they reach the facility. When the Zambian president, Edgar Lungu, declared Kafue a hotspot for coronavirus infections and ordered a complete lockdown in the district. The facility eradicated their file system. Health facilities use the filing system to order the flow of people in the facility based on arrival, appointments, or priority for treatment. The other interesting thing, we used to pull out the files now we are no longer we are IFES, and now that the process for the client to be on the line, on the queue, is now shortened. Maybe it take about 10 to 15 minutes per client, which is now a plus to us. And I think that has worked as well with adolescents, and I know for sure our government will make it work throughout. The facility was operating in a small house with four nurses, one clinician, and one daughter associate. Now it has been moved to semi-detached house structures with several doors that lead to different departments in the facility. They manage triage through the separate entry points to ensure that exposure to people with COVID-19 symptoms is limited. So there's what we call outpatient department, there's the door for ART department, there's the door for MCH, mother to child, there's also the door for VMMC, there's also a room for VCT. So what they decided, like VCT, they have three rooms. They have improvised one room in VCT for screening. 
at registry they are they are very vigilant to see who is has about some of the signs like cough sneezing and those people are the people who are fast tracked so that we see that those who are coughing they don't transmit so to avoid maybe being on the on the queue for a long time we had about three clinicians who used to screen those people so that we fast track them they call at farmers we had two so that they dispense in the ART department we had one Eugene's day usually starts with a morning prayer, followed by a bit of physical exercise before he prepares to travel a distance of about three kilometers to his office. My name is Eugene Mpakide. I, I work for Kavanga Creative Initiative Association. In response to the threats that came with uh, the outbreak of COVID-19, um, we are glad to say that uh, government and its partners, first of all, developed the COVID-19 response um, uh, strategy. And in this strategy, it was acknowledged that um, health facilities are actually highly congested. And we looked at some of the areas that were making congestion to, to become worse. The Kabangwe Creative Initiative Association supports pediatric and adolescent health programs in various facilities around the Kabangwe area which is located on the outskirts of Lusaka, Zambia. Eugene, who has been the executive director for the organization since 2014, says that in their work with facilities and community stakeholders, decongesting health facilities has remained key in the fight against COVID-19. Uh, the first step was, first of all, to dispense um, ART, I think that's long-term dispensing of ART, that was six months, uh, three months, depending on the condition of the, the individuals that were um, on treatment. The people that are living with HIV, people that are TB, are not put at further risk by being found at facilities that were congested. And also that also made a, a step in helping that we, we, we combat the further spread of COVID-19 by decongesting the facilities and not putting the people at risk. At a time when organizational communication, coordinating staff, and strengthening service provision is imperative, a collaborative leadership approach worked best in facilitating a successful healthcare response during the pandemic. Now, in response to making sure that coordination was actually improved, at facility level, if I can speak from that uh, perspective, we, 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 we had a good uh, or the bad uh, depending on how facilities were arranged and what type of leadership uh, was pro present at time. So where we had good leadership, we could see partners being mobilized. Of course, we are all being advised to stay home, but partners being uh, uh, mobilized to see which area they could come in and assist. And on the other hand, we had partners like, for example, in our case, we were supported by PATA and we had a, a cadre of volunteers that went on the ground, of course, very well protected, but to provide the information to create awareness. We were able to link the health workers or the health, health workforce to the PATA uh, information hub where they were able to access the information that they can use uh, to make sure that they prevent the transmission of, uh, of COVID-19 within the facility before they talk of uh, transmission of uh, COVID-19 uh, in the community. The Kabangwe Creative Initiative Association is able to help facilities prioritize the safety of health providers and community outreach programs. This is to combat the issue of long distances that community members must travel to access health facilities by identifying key areas that need funding. 
some of the areas included the procurement of PPE for health workers, of course the key health workers and those may not be everyone. And also we prioritize other areas of empowering the volunteers so that they play the outreach uh, role and make sure that the few technical staff that were at the facilities remained uh, in the key areas where they were needed. In this section, we hear from our health providers about how the information and guidance in this episode can be utilized by the health community beyond COVID-19 to ensure that communities have uninterrupted access to health services. Here is Fanny from Cameroon again. For supporting clients living with HIV, we need uh, to increase our community activities because if you sit at the level of the facility and you think you're going to just call them and get to them and give their medication, it's going to be very challenging. But for, for us as service providers, we need to know where the clients um, are, are in the communities. And here is Eugene from Zambia again. We, we, we need to build that capacity in responding to public health threats. Uh, I think we've had issues of HIV. We were already constrained. Then on, uh, besides that, we had an outbreak of COVID-19, which actually outstretched, overstretched the health systems. So I think we need to strengthen and build that capacity to ensure that in the event that another outbreak was to, to, to come, uh, in the next two, three months, how then we will be able to, to, to respond to and would encourage, uh, I think, the governments, the, the public health institutions, the facilities to, 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 to even take an approach of, uh, you know, the collaboration. I think collaboration and networking partners and partnerships should be encouraged to ensure that in the event that there is a short for somewhere, then other partners and players would be able to easily come on board. You've been listening to the Pata podcast series. I'm Andisiwe May. In the next episode, we'll be hearing from health providers about how health facilities ensure continuous delivery and dispensation of essential services such as HIV treatment and care for children, adolescents, and young people during the COVID-19 pandemic. You can find more information about Pata and our work by visiting our website at www.teampata.org and interact with our social media handles at Team Pata on Twitter and Instagram and at Pediatric Adolescent Treatment Africa on Facebook. This podcast was produced by Volume. Thank you for listening. Volume.